36 hours without electricity, water, mobile connection, heating. How does it look like? We and many Ukrainians are experiencing longer electricity cuts because of the Russian missile and drone strikes and are preparing for a difficult winter. You're listening to the podcast Explaining Ukraine. Explaining Ukraine is a podcast by Ukraine World, a website in English about Ukraine. My name is Volodymyr Yermolenko, I'm a Ukrainian philosopher and journalist, chief editor of Ukraine World. My co-host is Tetyana Harkova, Ukrainian scholar and journalist who is heading international department at Ukraine Crisis Media Center. Ukraine World is brought to you by Internews Ukraine, one of the largest Ukrainian media NGOs. Before we start, let me remind you that you can support us on patreon.com slash ukraineworld. We devote majority of your donations to help Ukrainian defenders and people affected by this war. Patreon.com slash ukraineworld. So indeed, uh, let's talk about our private experience as a family. Uh, we spent uh, last week about 36 hours without anything. Electricity, water, heating, mobile connection, internet. So it was an interesting experience, an interesting experiment, isn't it? Yes, yes, indeed. So it for, it happened with us for, for the first time because the previous uh, missiles, which arrived the 23rd of November, we were abroad, we were in France for a series of conferences. So we went here during this first real blackout. So it was our first experience and we have several several things to share about, about that. So let's start from the morning. when the, In the morning, the missiles were starting to hit um, electric, electric equipment in Ukrainian all regions we were already without electricity because to, because to, according to our plan uh, we didn't have uh, electricity that day from four until eight in the morning so when all this started we already were without electricity for four hours so so let's explain that we have the uh, the schedule of electricity cuts and uh, the schedule is defined by the energy enterprises for example by DTEC a Ukrainian energy enterprises owned by Renat Akhmetov, but it's it's not connected with the fact that it is owned by Renat Akhmetov, but with the fact that generation capacity, uh, uh, because the major transmission networks were damaged, so uh, the the generation of electricity to the Ukrainian population, to the Ukrainian industry should should be limited because electricity should be consumed the same amount as it is generated. And therefore, there were this schedule of planned electricity cuts. What does it look like? It's, uh, it's not only about generation, it's also about distribution because sometimes the problem is not in generation but in distribution. So it looks like that, for example, we have four up to four system in different districts. It's different, but in our place it's four up to four. So it means that, for example, from four to eight, you don't have electricity in the morning. Then from eight until 12, you do have electricity. And then they cut it off from 12 to four once again. And then from four to eight, once again, you have electricity. So it's a system looks like uh, 50% of the supply, this supply is inexisting. So 50% you have electricity of time and 50% you don't have electricity. But the problem is that the systems are quite different in different locations. In our location, it looks like that if we don't have electricity, it means automatically that we don't have running water. 
and at the same second we don't have heating. So it doesn't mean that it's cold uh, in one second. It means that there is no heating system and the house is starting getting colder and colder. And if it if it is temperature uh, is about zero or even plus one plus two, you can still keep for four hours without any real inconvenience because then it switches on once again and so you have heating and so you consume let us say fifty percent of heating and fifty percent of electricity and 50% of water. So it looks like that. So we are already um, used to, to live in such conditions and we consider it to be normal. This is about new normality. But the real drama comes when uh, another huge massive strike arrives. Yes. And l- let's come back to the heating because uh, it's indeed we are living in a house, in a multi-story building made of brick not very well, with not not very good ther- thermal uh, isolation, I would say. But still, the house is keeping the warmth, right? So, if you have a heating cut for four hours, it's okay. For eight hours, it's more or less okay. But if you have for 36 hours, it's getting cold. And uh, the problem is whether Ukrainians will be you know, cut for, for, for a very, very long time. Because if you don't have electricity and heating for two, three days, well, your house is more or less uh, has the same temperature as outside. So the massive missile strikes uh, last Friday, right? Yes. There were, there were 76, I think, uh, 76 missiles? 74, according to other sources. So there is a confusion about the exact number of missiles which arrived to Ukraine, and 60 of them were uh, destroyed by... Were downed by Ukrainian air defense forces. So the score, by the way, let's also mention that the score is quite high. I used even my calculator to look the score, and it was up to 90%. This time it was up to 90% of Russian missiles were destroyed by Ukrainian uh, anti-air defense system. So this is good score, in fact. Why do you think it's up to 90? Because 60, 60 missiles were downed out of 76? Yes, exactly. Just you can make this calculation. But, um, no, Yourself. it's not 90%, obviously. It's about 70-something, I think. But uh, we leave to our listeners to calculate. So, But, but the, the ratio is indeed high, right? And, uh, and what happened? Uh, I actually drove my car into Kiev from Bravari because I had several meetings. And uh, it looks like, like Bravari is totally in darkness. Uh, street lights are not working, so it creates problems for traffic. Uh, the weather was not good, so we have this kind of fluctuating weather now in Ukraine. Snow, then uh, it it melts, then what is melt is freezing. So depending on the temperature, is plus two, minus two, etc. So again, for car drivers, it's it's quite a problem. Then the problem is that street lights are not working. Sometimes you have police tries to, you know, regulate the traffic, but sometimes on very difficult crossroads you don't have. You don't have so many people, so many policemen who are able to regulate the traffic. So this creates also the conditions for, for, for traffic. Imagine you're you're actually going with your car in a very dark city, no lights. So the, the buildings on the sides of the streets have no lights. There are no street lights and there are no traffic lights. 
that means, for example, you, you try to go very carefully because the, there are pedestrians who are crossing uh, the street and quite often they don't have any um, any, any lights. And if, if a pedestrian wears like dark clothes with no uh, no lights on on his or her clothes, no uh, special things how to how to say it in English I don't know uh, that reflect the light right on on her, his or her clothes you you just practically do not see her or him obviously this creates the risks of 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 traffic um, traffic accidents then underground in Kiev which is very important uh, traffic which is very important trans transportation means doesn't work because there is no no electricity so. Everybody is going through the city with their cars or with their uh, with taxis, for example. So the city is really full of cars, and uh, everybody is moving in this darkness. But yeah, but like my the, question is, how do people manage to call taxis? Because uh, taxis here, let's also explain their functioning like via internet, like Uklona Uber system, or otherwise you just call them. But in some places, like in our play, there were no connection. I mean, not only internet connection, internet Wi-Fi, but also mobile internet. But we didn't have any telephone connection for many, many, many hours. So I don't know. I don't know how people manage to call for taxes during these conditions because I was I would be unable to do so here in the place we live. Yeah. So th it depends on the place. In some places in Kiev. The mobile connection and a little bit of internet is working. Just for you to understand that mobile networks are also are also need electricity. Mobile tower uh, transmission towers need electricity. So if there is an electricity cut uh, in in Bravari, in some other Kiev suburb, in, inside Kiev, so the transmission towers are also cut. And the big question here is to, to know exactly when the air, air alert is over because you should know, you, you must know the moment when, when the danger is over so you can get out of your house to, to, to buy something or to do something. And how can you know that the alert is over? So uh, our know-how is now is to switch to the radio. This was a surprise for me, not a surprise for you, but for me it was a surprise that you can really use radio on a very simple smartphone on any type of smartphone you just need your earphones and you just look for radio and so you can listen to the radio because radio is not uh, still functioning during the blackout so you can listen to the radio and uh, you just all the time and then sooner or later they will tell you that the alert is over and also it keeps you updated because you know already that missiles were successful, successful there and there, and where there were explosions and victims, etc. We know that we knew that the first, very first day that there was at least three explosions inside Kiev, in Dysnyansky district, in Dniprovsky district, and in Holosievsky district, and this uh, object of uh, electric infrastructure were targeted and unfortunately they were successful in three cases. But we also know that 40, 40 missiles were sent to Kiev only, Kiev and region only. So this is a huge amount and uh, without any surprise in media journalists were writing about the one of the most important uh, um, strikes against Kiev during these uh, almost 
10 months of uh, full-scale invasion. Yes, and Russians started doing these missile and drone strikes more frequently, right? So we had a strike on Friday. We had today on Monday a drone strike during the night, also several dozens of drones, and many of them unfortunately hit the target. Before Friday, I think there was a drone strike yeah, on, drones, on, yeah. on Tuesday, on Tuesday, Wednesday. Tuesday on Wednesday. So during a week, you have already three massive strikes, either missiles or drones, uh, on Kiev and on other other Ukrainian cities. So I think Russians are using increasingly using these Iranian drones to make these strikes more frequent and to exhaust the Ukrainian air defense system. So the conclusion is, of course, that we need as as more air defense systems as possible. Russians are waging the war against civilian population. It's already n- not a secret for any anyone, I hope. They're really targeting civilian energy infrastructure. No military purpose in that, just to make the life of civilians unbearable. Let's also talk about everyday life, what everyday life looks like uh, when there are missile strikes like that. So we were happy, happy if you can say so, uh, in these conditions, happy to get this air alert early in the morning, at 8 in the morning. So kids were still at home. We were on our way to the kindergarten and on our way to school. So we were able to keep kids at home and not to be cut away from them because otherwise they would be in school somewhere in the underground and with no connection, it's much more stressful. So kids are staying at home in such conditions. So it means that at least one of the parents is not walking properly. But at the same time, there is no conditions to walk properly because there is no connection. And you have no possibility to do whatever you, you have to do on your computer because there is no Wi-Fi, no mobile internet. So you are just blocked inside your apartment with your kids uh, without electricity. And for sure, you most of Ukrainians already have uh, multiple devices, power banks and all kinds of stuff to keep uh, telephones on. But sometimes it's also useless because even if your telephone is charged, fully charged, you cannot, you can really only listen to the radio. What, for example, I was doing during long hours, just listening to the radio, knowing some news, uh, because news were really tragic, specifically from Krivirich. In Krivirich, Russian missile arrived to a um, residential area, to a, a residential building and killed the whole family, uh, mother, father and uh, one year and a half baby. They were late in the news. I read the story, uh, mother and the son, they, there were two kids in the family and they they traveled to the to Poland and they stayed in Poland for for a couple of months and then they were back so they were back recently to their apartment in Kriverich and the other boy, another son of the family he was with his grand-grandmother somewhere in the family so this missile killed the whole family unfortunately and the uh, another brother he's uh, an orphan now so he doesn't have any family in Besides, maybe this grandmother. So the tragic stories. We're also listening about news from coming from Kharkiv because many strikes arrived into Kharkiv, and Kharkiv had no electricity and no metro uh, at all. So it was really dramatic, and the situ- situation looked extremely dramatic for Kharkiv during these first hours of this attack. And you mentioned uh, you mentioned this story about Krivirich. Uh, unfortunately, these stories that we hear also quite often 
recently we all remember the story of an infant killed which was only two days, two days old. And um, yeah, so how how is life is like going on during this time? Life is going on. And for example, on Friday, we had a concert, musical concert of our kids. Uh, on the, Saturday. On Saturday. On uh, the elder kid, 13-year-old, and uh, the the six-year-old Yarina, they played the piano, and the concert did take place. Can you can you tell me because I was I was with the other kid and you went to the concert. Yeah, yeah. So, so b- before that, and on Friday there were rehearsals. So we went to the music school, and so we were able to rehearse even without electricity. It was not a real problem um, because you don't need electricity for that. And the heating, but the heating was already off in the school, so it's quite cold. Uh, we are also able to have some online during twenty minutes, if I'm not mistaken. We were able to have some online lessons for a smaller kid, but unfortunately. For our uh, eldest kid, we, she didn't manage to connect to any kind of classes on Friday. So on Saturday, I made a video of that. This is a, something fantastic. You see, you'll just video showing kids playing piano in the, in the darkness. It was 3 uh, p.m., uh, approximately 3 p.m., but it was already quite dark inside this concert hall so they were playing in the dark and so the video is not fantastic but in a way just to for, to record that and just to have to as, as a memory maybe in future years we'll be we'll be uh, remembering this experience but the pro, but the fact is that many kids were present at the time and at that very moment there were no absolutely no connection no no connection in the whole city but people were saying some people were saying that there were another air alert but there were no way to check it up because otherwise if everybody knew that there would be another air alert they would cancel the concert but the problem is that later as we discovered later there were indeed an air alert during the concert but nobody was able to say that for sure so we had our concert even during air alert and it was a real real pleasure and a real great moment for for kids who were training for many months to get to these results and our teacher was present and uh, a lot of kids were there and um, it was a real a real uh, really good experience and um you mentioned radio. It's interesting that we are kind of uh, all this. You know, I remember this. All these philosophers, intellectuals, all all around the world are talking about uh, technology. Are talking about the change of life during COVID. But sometimes history changes everything, right? So for for us, radio. It's really during this <clears throat> blackouts. Radio is the key media. Because we can connect it practically from everywhere. When I'm driving the car, I'm listening to the radio. And uh, there are several very good talk radios in Ukraine. There is Romatsky Radio, Radio NV, Suspilne Radio. So very good, very good journalists, very good, uh, very good conversations. So we are coming back to the radio era. The second thing is that uh, we are coming back to the work in the offices because... Uh, after COVID, everybody was saying office has died, etc. But when you don't have electricity, when you don't have internet, and normally in the offices, people, the management is establishing either the generators or the Starlinks for internet. 
So people are trying to go to the office to, to work. And this is the case of our organization, Internet Ukraine, of your organization, Ukraine Crisis Media Center. So people are going there. So it's kind of a, also changing. And we have the revival of our office life in at Internet Ukraine. We, we come to the office and people are there. So that is coming back of the physical life. Yeah, that's exactly. So all these forms of online presence are so present in Ukraine before this full-scale invasion are now irrelevant because you, otherwise you have no guarantees that they will be light. Because even if, according to your schedule, you will have electricity at the time, there is no guarantee that there would be no uh, no no uh, another st- missile strike which will uh, create another blackout. So the most real thing to meet people is to go there and to meet them in person. That's, that's it. So And the same conclusion comes to school. So uh, many parents uh, chose this year a dis- 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 distant uh, education for their kids, but uh, they are very unlucky now because uh, in most cases, at least once or two times during a the day, there is a electricity cut and their kids are unable to follow classes. And this is important. When you accumulate that during months, it it starts to create problems because uh, children they simply don't follow the program, and then it creates another problem. Another problem: how we'll do that during the next year, and think about students. For example, fr- freshmen, so fresh students, first year of study, so they're disoriented and they have no possibility to follow what is uh, what is their program, what is their material. So this creates problem, and we are yes, we are coming back to the forms of communication of work we had before before COVID. That's it. And let's talk about about another everyday aspect about uh, how you how you buy things. So most of the shops in our city and I guess it's everywhere, they already have generators. And you still are able, even during blackout, which lasts for 40 hours, you are still able to go to the shop and to buy whatever you need there. And sometimes you are even able to pay by card. But in most cases, it's much better to have some reserves in cash because in most places they accept cash. Uh, for, for for such occasions during a blackout because there is no internet connection, so no connection. Or you bank. sent money. Yesterday I was changing wheels on my on our car, and I sent money to a, to a banking card. So it's it's another thing which is present in Ukraine, which is I think unthinkable in many other countries that the uh, transactions, financial transactions between different banking cards are actually very, very widespread. This is how Ukrainians are donating money to the army, collecting funds if if somebody is injured, but also you can pay in this way. Maybe it's semi-legal, I don't know, because you don't have any, any, any any, any invoice for that. But this is how you come to a shop, there is no connection through the banking system, and you don't have cash so you you still have a way out of it. yeah but you need what you need you need internet and in such places there are internet otherwise wi-fi or some other kind of internet if they have generator they might have kind of internet connection just to be a, for you to be able to enter your banking system in, in on your phone and to send them money so this is uh, this is important and this yes indeed i would say that the most of uh, co- commercial agents here commercial shops or whatever they are already able to handle for a couple of hours, even even longer than a couple of hours, without uh, without um, without electricity. Let's talk about the cost. Uh, according to our experience, one hour of generator uh, 
would cost you, it's approximately, it could be different, but it's approximately two liters of gasoline. So approximately it would make you 100, 100 um, uh, hryvnas, which makes, let us say, now two and between two and three euros, right? So, so the price for, for, for electricity in your place. And if the price is quite high for private uh, houses, for some of them at least, I guess this is not the real price for, for, for commercial agents, for, for, for banks or whatever, for shops. So they're still uh, able to do so and to function with generators. And there is a very specific noise. Um, unfortunately, we cannot not show you that, but the specific noise created by generators when you go out and you're in a blackout during this uh, electricity cut, you hear this noise from everywhere because every almost every, even tiny shop had this uh, generator. But schools do not have, this is, and kindergartens do not have. This is a surprising thing which we as citizens are reflecting upon. Why at schools they didn't install generators? I guess one explanation comes from the security reasons. What we know already from our emergency services is that up to 200 people starting from October 2022 are already dead because of generators, because generators are extremely dangerous if you put them either inside your housing or too close to your house. So this is uh, the minimal distance you have to respect between your generator and the house is six meters. And nobody nobody respects that for, for, for shops. But imagine yesterday... Not, not yesterday, but on the day of this uh, big electricity cut on Friday, on Friday, I saw a generator literally on the balcony of a house. Just here, I, here. I also okay. saw it. Yeah. So the people are using them on the balcony. This is strictly forbidden for for security reasons, and I would. Uh, I was hesitating. Should I? Should I? Should I make a sign? Because this is extremely dangerous for people inside, and if there are children, for example. So this is a thing to avoid. And my guess is that for schools and for kindergarten, they are avoiding that specifically because this is not allowed. Maybe, but commonly. but you can you can still put them uh, outside and and create some kind of a roof for them. Yeah, but they, they need time. One interesting thing is that imagine. For example, Ukraine would have been a country with a green revolution where everybody would buy hybrid cars, electric cars, um, Teslas or whatever. There are lots of Teslas, lots of electric cars in, in Ukraine, but uh, I think a little bit less than, let's say, in Western Europe. Imagine what would happen. Uh, I was told by my friend that he saw recently that how an electric car was actually charging its battery from a gasoline generator. So this is really a paradox, like you're going back to the fossil era. But it shows us how dependent we are on on, on everything around us, on electricity network, on, on the civilization, and uh, how Russians are actually hating this civilization. There is a profound, of course, there are some pragmatic reasons in, in the strikes, but there is... This profound hatred of civilization, which is present inside Russian culture, which was present inside 19th century Russian culture, 
uh, all these, you know, path- pathetics against bourgeois life, etc. I think we will make another podcast on that because Russia is calling itself a separate civilization. But actually, if we take civilization in its literary term, well, as a kind of a technological progress, as an ability of people to live in, in big spaces, in, in big cities, um, in when life is getting complicated and dependent on, on tiny details and on common work of a community, well, in this case, I would, I would doubt that Russia is a civilization at all. Yes, indeed. And I was able to, 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 to listen to some political shows in Russia. They were really extremely happy about the strikes and each time they send their missiles, they are enjoy, really enjoying the images of, uh, of these electricity cars in Ukraine, of people suffering. They are commenting on that with a lot of joy. They present their objective to cut a connection by train just to make impossible any transfer of weapons to the front line. So there's kind of rational explanation why are they doing so. But at the same time, the emotion, the real emotion is here. So the commentators on the TV, uh, they are presenting, they are showing these images. They, they are looking for these images on Ukrainian social media, for example. They are showing them, they say, look, so we are so successful. We are so successful this time. Look, people in Kiev, they are unable to cook. They are unable to do so. They are unable to, to use transport. But the, but the problem is, by the way, that if you talk about trains, about uh, uh, our famous state, state-owned company, railway company. There were a lot of uh, trains uh, which were late, quite a big number of trains which were late on Friday, but all trains arrived. So there were no major problems. They have some reserves, they have some alternatives how to use the trains, and it's extremely uh, hot inside uh, trains, so you can use the trains like a point of, of resilience in a way. So this, the initial, uh, Russian initial objective is to destroy transportation it's 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 it has no success in fact so uh, trains are functioning and uh, they were functioning on friday with some um uh, some problems but also on saturday and sunday and traffic is quite normal now yeah this joy of of russian propagandist russian media about about cutting ukrainians from electricity is, is really something again psychologically very deep uh, and something very there is something very sadistic in this uh, we have a podcast, a podcast episode about Russian sadomasochism with Peter Pomerantsev. I can address, address our listeners to it. Uh, well, you can say that Ukrainians are also happy when there are some strikes on, on Russian objects, but the strikes which Ukrainians are made or which is present in Ukrainian media space uh, are strikes against military objects. So we have this metaphor of Bavovna. Maybe we will make another podcast to explain the words of this word. This is very interesting. So we will leave it for another episode, why we use Bavovna. So when there are these explosions of Bavovnas in different in different uh, places in, in Russia, in Belgorod, in, in Crimea, Crimea is Ukraine, obviously, but temporarily controlled by, occupied by the Russians, or deeper inside Russian territory, these are military objects or the objects of military infrastructure. The attack on Crimean Bridge was an attack on, on primarily military infrastructure. 
I would I would not, for example, if we imagine a, a, a Ukrainian strike on I don't know Moscow, cutting Moscow from electricity. I, I cannot imagine that because actually we we have indifference to the way not not because we are kind or whatever, but the way how Russians are living is indifferent for us. It's it just doesn't matter for us. Uh, what is what matters really is their military capacity and the fact that they are bombing us. So when we destroy the the ports of Russian arms, Russian uh, ammunitions, the commanding points, of course it creates joy because it says to us, okay, our victory can be closer. Why Russians are enjoying the fact that millions of people in Kiev are living without electricity and cannot cook uh, they dinner. That's for example, for example, I I saw a show yesterday, a political show on a Russian TV. They were just ironically, sadistically stating that look, Ukrainians are unable to cook. So, but this is about a healthy food. So may they eat uh, raw vegetables or fruit. It's so good for your health. You know, making this kind of kind of remarks, it shows mm. uh, the real emotion they. But care. it shows it shows also this story of Holodomor, right? Because they would they would like. This generation of Russians, they would like to have Ukrainians dying from st- starving from, to death, st- uh, dying from uh, famine once again in 100 years. Yeah, they are enjoying this all this suffering. But what they don't see is that people are getting uh, stronger with these strikes. Because we, I haven't noticed, For let's, let's come back to the reality, just to explain the reality. I haven't noticed any kind of panic. Uh, neither on the street, nor in the shops, in the school. There were kind of organization. Yes, indeed, people were without information. And let's also explain that in many places, in many regions, electricity were back, was back, uh, a, not a couple of hours, but let us say eight or nine hours after the strikes. I contacted our friends in Kharkiv. We visit Kharkiv, man, we visit Kharkiv regularly, so we do have friends there. So I wrote to my to our friends just to ask how we were doing because we know that there were a lot of strikes against Kharkiv. And I was quite surprised to know that the blackout period lasted only for nine hours. Instead of you can compare with 38, in fact, hours in Brovary. And only later, a day later, we were able to discover, uh, for example, uh, specifically due to these, uh, to these points of invincibility, uh, several centers for invincibility in Brovary. Normally, they are located in schools. There are places when you can, you can get electricity. You can charge your phone. You can drink something hot. You can be in the, in, in, in warmth during some time. And our teacher of music, by the way, she passed by this point or center of invincibility. And she was informed that unfortunately, one missile, which was destroyed by Ukrainian air defense system close to Brovary, but the the parts of this missile fell down into a, um, a energy transformator and it was damaged and they needed just time, a couple of days to restore it. And that's the explanation why we had such a long period of uh, electricity cut. So... Uh, these uh, centers are quite useful for people and in practically we see you can not only charge your phone yet but you also can get some news if radio radio was talking about general things they were not talking specifically about your location or your village so this is important point to get information as well 
But it's, uh, you mentioned the reactions of Ukrainians. I think Ukrainians are perceiving, of course, every such strike only creates more anger. Uh, more anger, more willingness to donate to the army, more willingness to do something. So if Russians count that Ukrainians will make demonstrations in Kyiv asking Zelensky to you know, make negotiations with Russians, this is just another mil- miscalculation. Uh, Ukrainians are getting more angry and uh, they are considering, I think, the mood around is very ironic. So people are talking about this with lots of you know irony and laughter. And I think we are considering it as another quest, as another challenge. Okay, how you get electricity? Well, it's interesting quest. Let's do it. Of course, there is there is some irritation, but generally, I would say the mood is like let's this. Let's let's also let's also mention some practical things, uh, uh, just for memory. After thirty six hours of absence of heating, the temperature inside our apartment was around fourteen fifteen degrees. So this is not comfortable, but this is not uh, tragic uh, at all, and you can still uh, be there. The problem is uh, was that uh, during this wet weather uh, clothes so it was heavy rain during the Friday and the mostly Saturday so and when you get uh, when you come back home, you just want to um, to put your warm clothes or your shoes just to to make them warmer, but you can't because it's too cold. And I remember I was uh, obliged to buy another pair of shoes for kids because they were wet and there were no way to 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 do something about that. So that's that's the problem. So temperature is fourteen degrees and the real need for for heating. And of course, water. Water is very important because, for example, well, uh, I was. I was uh, thinking that look, I was three days without without a shower. It's not really comfortable, so it's it creates another this feeling that okay, you you're accustomed to take shower every day, right? When you're three days without a shower, that's not very very good. And of course, canalization and everything which which is related to our everyday perp- uh, everyday. Everyday needs in in water closet. If you don't have water and you're in a multi-story building, so how do you do this? Of course, the elevator. We are li- living in the ninth floor, but there are unfortunately the recent buildings constructed by Ukrainian um, uh, house builder who unfortunately always love a lot of money and therefore they construct lots of very high buildings. Imagine you're living on the 16th floor as your parents, but imagine you're living on 30, 32nd floor. And what, what do you do if you have three kids and you have no electricity? Elevator is not working, right? So, so this can, is... Just to transport the water, it will be extremely difficult physically. And imagine there is uh, only elder people or kids or just one woman, for example, inside because the man is somewhere on the front line. And so how she does to, 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 to do all that. And you need water to, to wash the dishes. You need water to, to wash, I don't know, at least kids a little bit. Yeah. So you need water to cook and you need water for many things. So this is also a problem. You can really do some reserves, but you cannot do a big, big amount of them. Right. Yeah. So this is our experience of these electricity cards, of these blackouts. You can see that they only increase Ukrainian resilience, but of course they create lots of things which are which are not comfortable 
and they also lead us to think that civil our civilization is very fragile. This was a podcast explaining Ukraine by ukraineworld.org, a website in English about Ukraine. My name is Vladimir Yermolenko. I'm chief editor of Ukraine World. My co-host is Tetyana Harkova, who uh, heads the international department at Ukraine Crisis Media Center. Uh, subscribe to this podcast on on the platforms uh, that you use to listening to this pod, to to the podcast. And also you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com/ukraineworld. We devote majority of your donations to help people affected by this war and to help Ukrainian defenders. patreon.com slash Ukraine world. Stay with us and stand with Ukraine.